just two local guys with so much to say. So listen to the real estate brothers today. All right, it's working. We are live. This is the 45th episode of the Real Estate Brothers with Lena Deep. This is the November monthly market update, where what we do here is basically go over the news that has been impacting Hawaii investors and mainland investors in a fun format where we like to encourage different folks to type in. You guys are checking this out on Deep's page or the YouTube page or the Aria Aloha page. Feel free to leave a comment below because we get bored talking to each other 45 times and it's nice to answer some questions here from the viewers. With that, let's get started. Before we get started, before Dean takes away, my book is releasing November 15th. So if you guys can help me out, check out simplepassivecashflow.com slash book. And if you can give me a review, I'll buy you a book if you want, a real hard copy book. So you can write me a nice review on the old Amazon so it can go viral. Shoot me an email, lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. The goal is to get you the Amazon bestseller, right? Yeah, because you're not anything until you become an Amazon bestseller already. Yeah, but here it is, Dean, the only copy. Oh my gosh, I, I would like a signed one. On a random side note, my uh, wife was in the car with an old coworker. They went out to, to eat lunch and then they stopped by at a, a shop on the way. So my wife jumped into her old coworker's car and she's listening to a, a podcast. Coincidentally... It was you, Lane. Oh. And my wife was oh. like, hey, how do you know Lane? She's like, oh, I just listen to him once in a while. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, huh? Yeah, just to troll you. But no, she had no idea. That was a legitimate one. But anyway, yeah, if you folks uh, don't already know, my name is Dean. I was a CPA and accountant for 19 years. Then I started doing real estate investing. I got the bug, wanted anything, all things real estate. So I actually got my license and did that part-time. Built up a little bit of a small portfolio that allowed me to quit my day job and Allow me to do my passions, including real estate sales, which is a lot more fulfilling for me and time with my kids. Uh, you can find me, my website, realestateofhawaii.com and my YouTube is uh, YouTube Real Estate of Hawaii. That's a little bit about me. And he also sings this cool intro song. In Hawaii, there's so much to do. There's hula, there's surfing and real estate too. We just do local guys with so much to say. So listen to the real estate brothers today. Thank you for that. And we have some comments that say, keep your day job, Dean. Let's see. Anyway. Okay. So October 2021 statistics, the Honolulu Board of Realtors will be releasing these out in uh, two days. It always comes out the sixth of the following month. Nothing Real exciting this time around. And we're still seeing strong seller's market. No records bro broken this month though. So on the single family median home prices on Oahu, we have, we're going to be at about a million, million dollars. It's almost a 16% jump from October, 2020. On the condos, we just shy of $500,000 for median price. That's a 13% increase from same time prior. Days on market also no change, but still really low. Again, this is from the point in time that a, a listing gets put on market to the point it gets into contract. So we have about 11 days for single family and for condos. That's a no change for single family from prior year, but it's a big decrease for condo and townhouses uh, from prior year. Uh, from last month, not much of a change. I think single family was nine days and 
condo was 11. Closed sales for single family, we have 277 closed sales, a, a bump of 9% from prior year. And for condo and townhouses, we have 606 transactions for October, a bump up of 19%. Put a small graph below that for viewing purposes, it's me median single prices and the trend since for a one-year period, I believe. So that's what we have going there. On the next slide, though, um, talking about supply and demand, right? So homes available for sale. Showing, again, this is a trend. For October, we have 394 single-family homes for sale in October, and we have about 1,000 for condos and townhouses. I like to always look at these stats. It's not highlighted in the top three for the Honolulu Board of Realtors, but it's always available. Let me know if you're interested, but I just wanted to show the trend because this is the supply side, right? And you can see here, it's trending down for the two years. On the next slide is, I like to show this one because months supply of inventory is the combination of supply versus demand, right? Right here, we have for single family, we have one month of supply. So basically if no more homes were to come on the market, how long would um, that inventory last? So for single family, we have only one month supply of inventory. And for condos, we have just 1.7 months. So that, that's really low. And if you look at this trend, it's just going down and down. A lot of people are saying, oh, is the correction here? And I've been seeing a lot of, I don't know if it's just clickbait for you to watch the YouTube channels, but I've been seeing a lot of people saying the correction is here. It doesn't appear in Hawaii though. So based on just looking at these trends. Another slide that I always like to throw a little twist into things. In this slide, I wanted to show you new listings on the top. So this is new listings that are, are coming on board. And this is a monthly trend from 2005. It's on the top line and then on the uh, top half. And the bottom half, we have, again, month supply of inventory. The po point of this, I wanted to say, if you had the best fit line and you drew it on the new listings on the top, it, it seems for the most part, pretty stable and not much change except for this big blip in the gray line, which is condos at the beginning, I think it was 2009 about. But for the most part, besides that anomaly, it's pretty straight line in terms of what's coming up on inventory. However, if you look on below month supply trends, we see it mounting up over here and then come back down. And so if you put a best fit line on this one, it would tend to be going downwards yeah, since 2005 to the current. Point I wanted to make for that is that I feel inventory coming on board is pretty, has been pretty stable since 2005, except for that blip again. But then months supply, which also has uh, demand tied into that, it seems that, that the supply is not being able to keep up with the demand. If, I guess you could say is that demand has been increasing steadily, but the, the supply isn't. Yeah, real basic, but just wanted to point that out in terms of what these graphs look like. Okay. So the next, I always enjoy talking about scams, right? And internet fraud and people, fraudsters out there trying to catch you. For this month, I wanted to bring up the next best scam, which is actually getting more tricky. As we talk about more of these scams, these scammers are getting smarter, right? They got to outwit us, the consumer. So this new group known as APT35 is actually starting to target high profile organizations in government higher education and journalism. And what they're trying to do is they're going into compromise legitimate web websites that work for these high-profile organizations. And uh, once they get in and compromise the website, they use that site 
to send phishing emails to their targets. So one example is that one attack sent emails with phony invitations to an upcoming webinar. We, we like to get our information nowadays from webinars, right? So these invitations are also linked to then another site that's compromised. And then if you click on that link, there's a registration page where you put in your email information and your credentials. And what this APT35 is trying to do is get you to hand over your credentials so then they can get access to your accounts, personal information, and eventually into the system, yeah, into your organization. So what can we do? Again, just keep these things in the top of your mind. When you get an email, look, look for red flags, right? Think of where, where did the email come from? And never click on a link from an email that you didn't expect, even if you recognize the, the person sending the email. And it never hurts to pick up that phone and give that sender a call and say, hey, did you send me this email? Email's weird. I get those calls often too. I don't know about you, Lane, but sometimes I get those calls. Same thing with wire fraud, right? You know, whenever you get wire instructions, I always, whenever I'm doing a wire and because I don't do them too many, I'm always calling up the, the sender and say, is this the uh, account that you want me to send it to and always do confirmation. In 2015, I had 11 turnkey rentals and realized that there's nothing passive about direct ownership in rental properties. This coming from an accredited investor perspective. Our group these days are mostly accredited investors, strictly looking for syndication deals for a purely passive investment strategy. One part of my portfolio is the American Home Owner Preservation, or what folks in the Hui call AHP. George Uberry, once apartment investor and mentor to myself, is now sponsoring podcasts for the fourth year in a row. His private note fund, which by the way also accepts non-accredited investors, cuts out the middlemen and allows you to invest directly with him to fight the mortgage crisis in America. Feel good knowing that you are helping families stay in their home after buying their underwater note at a huge discount. Join him by purchasing distressed mortgages while cashing your distribution check on a monthly basis. Find something else better out there? Just let me know. Invest as little as $100 by going to preareo.com slash investors. And if you want the free Burn Zone book, claim it at simplepassivecashflow.com slash AHP. And don't forget to join our private investor club to get more insider access. Go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. The next thing I want to talk to is, said, how about doing a, neighborhood spotlight this time. And so the Honolulu Board of Realtors in September released statistics for Makakilo and Makiki. I was surprised yet not surprised when it talked about the median single family prices in Makakilo, just shy of a million dollars. And closed sales are, were 22 for September and up 100% from same time prior year. Days on market nine, that's not very shocking, but that close to a million Makakilo was shocking to me. So I said, oh, you know what, you know what, maybe let's take a little bit of a, a stroll into the real estate side of Makakilo. On the next slide, I put what we have for months of supply of inventory just for Makakilo. So for single family homes, we have 0.5 of inventory and that's a 37, 38% reduction from same time prior year. And condos, we also have half a month of inventory, which is another same thing, decrease of 38%. And as you can see here, it's pretty similar to that other slide that we showed in terms of how, like on Oahu, it seems pretty similar to, yeah. So we'll take a little bit of a deeper dive and see what's actually available in terms of single families in Makakilo. I took this screenshot. There were eight 
I think two more might have popped up in the interim. So a total of 10. But for this slide, we have eight available single-family homes in Makakilo, ranging from three-bedroom, one-bath at $700,000 to a five-bedroom, three-and-a-half-bath at $1.488 million. And as you can see, these have been on market. There's a range too. The largest, the longest at 115 days on market and the shortest at two days on market. I wanted to pick two of these just to take a look at as an example to see. I picked the highest and the lowest. So we'll start off with the lowest at the $700,000, three bedroom, one bath, 1,025 square feet over on Pie Street. So let's take a look at this listing here. So again, 700,000. If you look at the map on the top right, this is at the, the bottom of Makakilo. This is a three bedroom, one bath. So it's small. I know a lot of people, they need that second bath. The condition is fair. And I believe it's tenanted, which might be a reason why it's been sitting. So a lot of times, if I have potential buyers, we're looking to see, okay, why is it sitting so long? Before we even take a look, sometimes it's calling the agent. Um, always the easiest one is to look at some pictures. So on the next slide, Lane. Let's, let's see. talk about that. Let's go for inventory. When people look at this page, just spit out. Not many people are familiar with all those things. Okay, and keep in mind that this slide, when it goes to the consumer, it might look a little different in terms of how the information is laid out. Sorry, what did you say, Lane? Talk about just more of the detail. Days on market, 150. Okay, so that's cumulative days on market. So a lot of times you'll see if a property was listed and then um, it falls out of market or is temporarily withdrawn and then put back on, that would reset the DOM or days on market but that would not reset the CDOM, which is a cumulative days on market. So that's a way that some agency has been sitting for a while and they want to get rid of that feeling of, oh, this property has been on for so long. They'll try to temporarily withdraw it or they'll pull it and put it back on. So if you look at the cumulative days on market, that will give us more of a true sense of how long this property was sitting since it was originally listed. That's a super good question. So always check with your agent on that because... Sometimes there's quirky things with your MLS. I believe why they created the CDOM so that agents wouldn't use that loophole and share it to withdraw it and put it back. And then, oh, okay, this has been only on market for one day when it was actually on market for 45 or in this case, 115. So that's what the CDOM is. So now it's there's a catch, right? Okay, so diving into just looking at the photos. Um, again, I believe this is, property is tenanted. And as you can see, they didn't choose to declutter or do any cleaning, or maybe they did cleaning and this is what it looks like when they declutter. But yeah, it's hard sell from the standpoint if you're an owner occupant that's looking for something that's even livable or moving ready and not necessarily turnkey, but it's a little hard to imagine yourself in living in this home with all this clutter. That's why I always like to tell my sellers to a good idea to declutter and of course try to stage and get professional photos, but getting off topic here. Again, this one is, I did a little research, it is tenanted. So that's probably a part of the reason why it's been sitting for so long. I think getting access is, was also an issue because based on some of the remarks, it seemed like it was hard to even just get access. So on the other end of the spectrum, we have the high, the most expensive available home in Makakilo, originally listed at one. 0.58 million and they believe they reduced the price after a month to 1.488. So this property is actually at 
the very top or the pinnacle of the heights, it's called. So this property, it has a single family detached. It says it's in excellent condition. The other one said it was in fair condition. Those, the property condition is relative and it's, it's based on judgment. So it's whatever the seller deems how they want to classify the condition. So again, days on market, 44 days. Cumulative is also 44. So it looks like this one wasn't temporarily withdrawn or didn't go into escrow. Large lot, 500 square foot garage. We have almost 30, almost 4,000 square feet living. Five bedroom, three and a half bath. The land is also really large at 7,000 square feet. And it was uh, built in 1991 and actually recently remodeled this year. So why don't we take a look at some of these pictures to see if you think they're worth 1.5 mil. As you can see, yeah, beautiful vaulted ceilings, chandeliers. We have nice finishings, nice blinds, large picture windows, flooring. I believe it's solid wood on the kitchen at least. Solid cap cabinets are solid wood. And I think that's granite or marble, but you can see how nice those finishings look. At the bay windows there and the recessed light. The exterior and the bathrooms on the next page from the outside. It looks really nice. Laying a finger to the next page. And we have a nice jacuzzi tub. You have a his and her sink. So, you know, maybe it is 1.4. Who knows? But that that one is, again, showing you a little bit of a spotlight on the inventory available in Makakilo. Yeah. So that's all I had for my side lane. How about you? All right. So let's talk about a little bit of attacking the mainland such. I took this picture, or I found this picture of this dog that got them all entrapped with. All the things that I think that kind of puts people back financially. Buying a house to live in. I don't really particularly think that's a great idea for people who are really good with their money. If you're not and you spend your money, you, it's hard to save. Then buying a house to me is a good force piggy bank. And that can be good for, for investing in 401ks. It matches. Not my bank. Doing a Roth IRA. And again, you're stuck investing in retail investments. They dig turbo tax, right? Yeah, if you're not investing in real estate or doing anything all outside of the ordinary, turbo tax is fine. But to me, as you soon as you have a rental property or two or a syndication, you gotta pay to get it that I was just asked that question today, in fact. And um like to your point, I think if it's someone who's listening to you and your podcast and thinking of all these alternative ways to invest, then I agree with you hundred. 10%. However, if it's someone who's not going to look into alternative investments, not going to be saving and, and blowing their money, that, like you said, it's like a forced, these are all forced savings and a way to diversify it. And not the most efficient by any means, but in lieu of something else, right? Yeah. Hey man, if you don't want to get out of your comfort zone and you want to do what everybody else does, then keep work for the rest of your life. Financial independence isn't for everybody. If not, we would be working right and inflation is upon us folks and this is a picture in the main and i'm sure the prices of the panda coffee at walmart or safeway or whatever is like probably 950 going up from 849 but this is a people don't realize it it's the way that the governments make money or pay off their debts is taxes but also i would argue more it's just inflating the money and who it hurts it's the people on fixed incomes the people who afford money save they're their buying power is just getting devalued over time. And that's the sad thing is people have been misled their whole lives thinking that's the way to do it. You're some of the least safest and most safest cities in America. The The big takeaway from this slide, folks, I, I'm not a huge fan of these top 10 lists. You see them everywhere. 
And I think it's interesting to look at as Dean's looking for where this property is at. Yeah, I think this is how like new investors invest. We don't really have anything to go off of. And you haven't realized that you're investing in individual properties and every individual property is in a different sub-market. Every sub-market is different within a market. You can't just, the stuff here on the right side, safest states and least safe states in America. Goodness gracious, like what a horrible like metric to go off of. Like in the state of Louisiana, which is the worst safest state in America, I'm sure there's good places to invest. Same thing in the safest states in America, Vermont. First of all, you're not going to cash flow there. So these are just generalities. And I call this kind of bad data. Did I tell you about the first, the second property I ever bought was uh, in Chicago, Illinois. And the reason why I bought that is I was reading a few articles about best cities that cash flow. And I was so gung-ho and I wanted to pull the trigger. I wasn't going to be one of those tire kickers or just, what is that term called? When you you, you just research too much, I feel we always hear that. And that's paralysis. Yeah. So I went on the extreme opposite as a camera for number two. I did a, read a few articles. Okay, we're going Chicago. And then I bought my second property, which was a short sale from over there. Fortunately, it worked out pretty well. However, yeah, looking at digging in and looking at all the, the real statistics in terms of investor-friendly state and all that kind of stuff, that it that ended up being actually not a good place to be. So to your point, Lane, you got to really filter through the, the data that you are see, seeing. Yeah. I think looking back at your case, it didn't matter if you picked the best place just freaking did something. That was the most important thing. You can buy. If you're in the top 10 markets out there, you're going to do fine, I think. What do you think? That, what is the top 10 markets, you think? Florida, Texas, Georgia. How is Arizona these days? Arizona is the number one rent growth market out there, period. Everyone's going from California to Phoenix. It's a tech market. Georgia, Alabama. It's all the Sunbelt states. That's exciting. And that's where you guys are looking? Yep. But even if you're like places I don't really like, Kansas City and Indianapolis, I mean, okay, it's still a lot better than investing in the 30. And then, not at all. And to your point too, you can do all your research on the regions, but at the end of the day too, it's, it's how that specific deal comes in because you're going to make money when you buy. So if you are taking the time to get to know the neighborhoods like the back of your hand, then you can find deals that are going to work out. It's just made this, this is statistically a little harder, right? Yeah, it depends too, right? If you're an out-of-state investor, you ain't finding anything. You're not finding any diamonds in the rough. You're buying a retail turnkey. Yeah, unless you have some unreal connections in terms of... So the next thing here from Arbor. So Arbor puts out a lot of good information. They're a big-time lender. Uh, a lot of times we'll get loans from these guys. And these are the fan direct Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac institutional lenders. So... Some of the reports that they're talking about here is they're, they're making comments on affordability. So they're saying that the pandemic's economic e effects combined with this year's surging rent prices have strained low-income renters, placing housing affordability back in the spotlight. This is probably no surprise to anybody. How does anybody afford anything? Reduced business income due to the pandemic-related downturn may decrease the value of tax credits and require affordable developers to seek alternative financing sources. So... There are these things called low income. I don't know exactly what it stands for, but we have a couple of our properties where the developer, he built these apartments and he got low income credits, good loans from the government. That was government subsidized, but the catch is you got to keep a certain amount of the units, a little lower than what market rate is. And this is the government's way of fulfilling that great need for lower middle class housing, as opposed to them doing 
the termite. They call it termites. Or it's just a bunch of slums. Low income housing tax credit, L-I-H-T-C. And I, like, Waipahu's got a lead, right? The housing authority. This is a big article. I'm not going to get super into it. I don't know if you can even read it. So way back in the day, cities were, they, they were lightly regulated. And what happened was back in the day, they would restrict certain races from living certain areas. Obviously, we all know that's not cool anymore, but that just shows you how things were back then. Obviously, that's gone away with, but there's still like restrictions on like where people can live, the low income people. So California, what last month, what they did, we reported that on the last month's report was they got rid of, they, they had some single family home zone areas, which is basically where rich people live. And then they broke those up to allow duplexes, triplexes, or quads. So all those internet gurus and the YouTubers are making all these cool videos saying that the California market was going to crash, which is obviously not. And that's the conclusion of this one article here too. But there's all these, there's slow regulation. And even if, yeah, you can't build stuff there, doesn't mean it's going to happen right away or for really long. But it's just one of those things where it's this constant battle between not in my backyard and yet you need more low income housing in the right areas. Okay? Not everybody can go live in Waianae and work all the way in Holland. That just doesn't work. There's no way to city plan. But now when you start to build some low income, light to medium uh, multifamilies in the middle of a high price area like Kahala, you get some people complaining at that point. Now, I'm not going to get into the political implications or whether it's <laughs> right or wrong, but that's, it is what it is. And this is a constant battle in politics that's always been played in the background. I think it's important for investors to not get bogged down in the politics of it all, but know that it is happening in Hawaii, it's happening across the country in many areas. And in a lot of these, California, Oregon, these are a lot of the more progressive types of states and municipalities, at least if they're going to lead the rest of the nation, they follow suit. It's not going to be overnight. It may not be in our lifetime, but this is the movement that typically happens. And, and that makes sense too, because they get these antiquated or now legal restrictions. Once they're removed, it may not make logistical sense to, to start construction or having these changes happen, being that it's been set up that way already. So it's not going to just happen. Like to your point, it's not going to happen. Over and what's going to block it is like other restrictions, like zoning restrictions drainage restrictions a million and one freaking excuses not to allow like low income or multifamily units in a certain area what one play i like for my buyers is buying if they can afford because of say there's a, like a low income or income re regulated housing in the middle of say kaka'ako and if they can qualify for that and they're okay and they can't use their funds for other market stuff, then there may be situations where it is a good play because after 10 years and, and the profit share goes away or where, where their um, gains are limited and they have to pay it back to the government, maybe in 10, maybe 20 years, they'll see some gains and it's buying something that they wouldn't have been able to buy otherwise. And then at the same time, potential, it's almost like a not a value add, but it's going to be like an equity play once these income regulated housing, it's going to turn into like market housing. And it's in the middle or the heart of these high-end 
condos or townhouses or multifamily units. So uh, at, at that play in certain, certain circumstances for in buyers who can't, and these are own occupants, by the way, who can't afford anything else. But anyway, that's for another. I, I digress. But yeah, that's just the age of the worst house and the best location. Exactly. Best or cheapest unit in the most expensive building. Yep. That's exactly it. I've actually thought of buying, there's a lot of like empty beach lots that are like $3 million for a pretty decent sized lot. And like Blanakai Beach, there's a lot of empty lots out there. Buy one of those mm. big multifamily thing. I don't know. I don't, I'm not a developer in Hawaii. I don't know who would tip off or throw a $100 bill to in a, in a folder. But it seems to me like that's a no brain to, to get it. Well, if you got the money to do that. I, I thought you were going to say you're going to buy a, a, your daughter a low-income um, multi-family unit, have her qualify and, and buy your daughter. No, it's probably going to be like, just like all these other like, people we buy properties from. Like, they take over the properties. They don't want to deal they don't with like, these types of properties. They just want to get paid. And they yep. just want to run away with the money. Maybe They have better use of the funds of the equity, right? Yeah, mind. yeah or a lot less headache stuff than dealing with. Class B tenants. Yep, yep. But hey, I guess that's my job these days. But rents have been skyrocketing since the beginning of the year. Asking rents nationwide continue to break records. See, the market shows signs of deceleration. You got to get us to the slide, Lee. Oh, here we go. National asking rents were up 11.4% year over year in September. And normally the, the rents increase 2 to 3% every year. So heck of a lot more lately than the average. And what they're saying is it's beginning to slow down. That's kind of saying my daughter is not growing a pound a week. She's still growing. So it's decelerating. She's not become a freaking giant. <laughs> but the rents keep going up is what I'm saying. Sunbelt tech hubs are still leading the nation in rent growth as the markets in the Southeast, Southwest benefit from the rap- domestic migration and job growth. The migration story has been playing out for a number of years, but accelerated quickly during the pandemic. Single family build to rent Rents continue to grow at an even faster pace than multifamily with national rents up 14.3% year over year. Occupancy kept rising as well, up 1.2% year over year. What do you think about that built to rent stuff? Any of that stuff? The, the, build to rent. Or they just build condos for rent? Yeah, they have a few, I believe, popping up. Or sing, no single family homes. They're not doing that. No, that, that, and I don't think that makes sense from the, but I think, I know there's, I think this is more on the homeless front, though, where they're more for that. Not necessarily. You know, oh, yeah. That looks like Al. I think that. Yeah. So those business models are, do they make sense up in the mainland? You never. Here's my thing. Right? Like the, I think the reason why all the investors see a lot of these types of deals because the promote and the, like the fees on developments is huge for syndicators. That's why they like to push it. Unless this is a government subsidizes it or a, a very government program that I don't see any viable business trying to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's good to get in, get your fees and leave, but you don't wouldn't want to operate that thing because right. that's the reason why you do one roof, multiple units that are eight. Yeah. yeah. But it is exciting that it excites me a lot when you, these stats about the rents going up, it's Super exciting. And it, it just makes me think that it's going to keep on that same path. And like you said, it might not have been going crazy like it has in the past, but with all this inflation going on, that's got to affect the rent side too, right? Yeah. As long as it goes up 2 to 3% a year, I'm happy with that. Exactly. Yeah. Commercial Weekly, National Association Realtors had an article on renter demand shifts toward more affordable and suburban class B and C apart. A vacancy rate is all time or is a low of 
4.6%. That's the orange line here. This is all happening after the vaccine starts to roll out. Things got back to normal. Absorption of units. So what absorption is when something new gets built or, and gets spilled, or something goes vacant and gets spilled. Absorption. It's filled by a, a prospective tenant. And then on the bottom is the 11.4% increase in rents here. Bro. Very exciting. This is the, I think you asked this question earlier. So this is a graph of the breakdown of all this new stuff that's being, so nobody in their right mind buy builds class C. It's just stupid. You might build for $100 a square, I don't know if there's a case, but $100 a square foot to build for class B might cost $120 a square foot. To build the class A is $140 a square It's stupid to build for class C standards. In Hawaii, the only reason why they're doing it is because these developers are mandated to get their um, developments approved. So these hard, large developments say, okay, you can go ahead. Yes, go ahead and build, but X percent needs to be for affordable living. So that's why they're they're building. But to your point, like it doesn't make financial sense when the margins are with the the high end stuff, especially on Oahu, right? Where we're we're hurting for inventory. Yeah. So this is an interesting trend. So back in two thousand and eleven, we would say after things got to recovery mode, the difference between class A and class B was but from 2011 to 2016, the amount of Class A builds greatly increased where universally the Class B builds went down. That kind of peaked around 2016. And I think around 2016, things got hot. I got it. And then things came back down. And maybe that was because they couldn't push the high-end rents. And as you see, they stopped building the Class A as a percentage as much. I'm just theorizing here. But this is what this graph hmm. tells me. By looking at this graph, we're at healthy standards where you would probably extrapolate from this graph that we're in a healthy market right now. There's another several years to run on this before because you're not seeing that pressure. You're not, developers are putting out class A product at the prices, at the performance they want, and they're getting it, even higher rents. If they met resistance and they're putting uh, something out and had to drop rents, then they would likely, you would start to see the class B percentage being higher and the class A be less. And in in Honolulu, in Kakaako area, a lot of people were and are buy, buying a a high class condo unit and it's two years out for construction. And by the time they close and get the keys, you're locking the price in two years before when you're signing the contract and then you wait two years. By the time you get the keys that, that you get your unit. You, you got hundreds of thousands of equity baked in because of the appreciation that was that occurred in the two years while you're waiting for your condo to be built. So then they just go ahead and sell it right after. I don't know. I don't know if I like that strategy though. The reason why is because any you know, with a decent amount of money can go do that. If I was going to, if I really thought that was true, I would go buy a $5 million beach house. To your point, it's totally, it is speculation, but I think if you're one that, that had been doing that while it was going up, it, it was a slam dunk. Yeah, but, but and, it's not, and, it's not, right? That's the... Yeah, exactly. And the, the, there was, there's an inventory issue. If you were one of the friends and family that was into and getting it even at a little bit, even more baked in equity. And the other thing is, okay, are you going to, you want to take that risk and put 10, 20% down on one, two, $2 million, some of them $5 million property in Kakaku where you're not sure what's going to happen in, in two years. Yeah. I just yeah. don't know who the buyers for that. There, it's all foreign people. Yeah. So, yeah. 
California, right? Yeah, yeah. I think the way to play it is wait for one of those guys to like, I don't know, just go into some kind of distress and buy it. But I don't know if there's much buyers for that type of stuff. That's and it's kind of like the Chinese ghost towns to me. Hmm. I don't understand it. Okay. Yeah. But here are the prices for A, B, and C rentals on the left side. You can see how they range from $2,000 on average to $1,700 a month for Class B, $1,400 a month for Class C. And this is a, a nationwide average. Obviously, Hawaii is going to be a little bit higher than this. But if you see that little orange dot there, that probably looks like a little bug on your screen, Dean. I, had this, I was scratching my screen. I was like, what's that on my graph? That is the... That, average rent increases that's been changing based on the different classes. So your highest rent changes are in the A than the B class at over 6%, whereas the class C has a moderate amount of movement of like 4 point or 4.5, let's call it that percent movement. And your class D or lower end has the least amount of movement. So this exactly what we're talking about the last slide where your movement on your high end is pushing the market. It's not like all properties are moving up to the same rents, which is a sign of a healthy market. And this is why for class A, when things are good, they're good. Just like short-term rentals, when things are good, they're good. But in times of trouble, then do these things drop like a rock. Building delays are caused by 63% windows, lumber, or 17% lumber, then 13% engineering wood products, 8% concrete. The one thing that people talk about a lot in terms of delays in terms of that real estate market is appliances. Technically, that's not a building material, so that would not be on this chart. So I saw this slide earlier, and coincidentally, I saw some new windows outside of my dad's house. And for the purposes of discussion, I called him just before this presentation, and I said, Hey, Dad, so you got some new windows. What's going on? He's like, Oh, yeah, I'm installing a bunch of windows, but he's doing only four because he wants to test out his contractors. Like, oh, my, my buddy's telling me that windows take a really long time to, to come in because they're, they're causing a majority of the delays for contractors. He's like, yeah, I'd say that. I put in the order back in January. Precisely that, 63%, right? Yep, yep. No, that was you. I, I was referring to uh -huh. you when... I, I, yeah, I saw this slide. So I said, just before I, I give my dad a call, just to find out how long he was actually waiting. So he was waiting since January, over 10 months. Yeah. Where is the, the property? I actually don't say it because the deal is all the contractors will go. They know where each other's jobs are. They still This is a small job. <laughs> and, and he went straight. And I think he, what he did was he went to the top three window providers on island and he just called around and he went with the, the lowest bid, but it, it's good windows. It's, it's Lindsay windows there. He said it's, it's, it was priced bottom. He's up. He said, he also said he's wondering if he has, he's calling, he's going to call them to make sure that what the product he got is what he um, ordered and he specified because he doesn't want it to beat and switch kind of thing. But I don't know, waiting 10 months, you hope you really got the right ones, right? Yeah. Get a ring on camera on that stuff. Rose legs. <laughs> But the top three challenges for the rental industry, basically it comes down to manpower. Uh, the great, have you heard of the great resignation? No, what is that? This is how lost you and I are. We don't interact with too much people these days. <laughs> Apparently a lot of people are quitting their jobs because they're just tired. The pandemic has made people really tired of just everything. <laughs> so a lot of people are quitting their jobs. I've had a couple of investors I was talking to, they're just calling quits. They're pretty high paid. They handle it. But mostly the great resonation is talking about more lower end service sector jobs, so people in the front line, 
you at the restaurants who had to comply with all these things. It's, it's, and part of it is there's just, and you see it on a lot of Reddit. I, I always see, if you go look at the anti-work thread on there, there's a lot of like businesses that have to sh- shorten their work hours because hmm. their local workers don't want to work. So it's like nobody wants to work, which is crazy. There's jobs out there. But anyway, before we get too much in, out into that <laughs> stratosphere, you guys help me out. Check out the book, simplepassacashflow.com slash book. My email address is late, simplepassacashflow.com. If you want to take me up on that deal and get the heart. But uh, if not, check us out next time. Check us on ariyaloha.com. We'll post all these videos and more. And anything else you want to chat about, Dean? Anything else coming up? I'm, no, I'm, I'm happy because I'm actually getting off this rock. Uh, next month, I'm I'm flying over to the Big Island Nikona for a, a tennis tournament. I got my, my team made it to, it's called sectionals. So we qualified for sectionals for the state. So we're getting, I'm getting to get off Oahu and going to go to the Big Island. So. That weekend, if, if anybody wants to meet up for coffee, that'll be great. <laughs> Are you traveling, Lane? Are you traveling? You have any travel? Oh, I'm, I'm on lockdown until January 14th to 16th. We're going to do the Ui Mastermind here. Oh, wow. Yes. You mentioned It'll that. Be we just got the okay to start planning that. So That's great news. And I understand some people had already booked their flights. So I'm sure they'll ha- be happy to hear that, huh? Yeah, it'll be fun. Last time we did this was in 2020. That was so fun, dude. The activities, well, the content was super awesome too, but the activities you planned were, were really fun, yeah. Yeah. It's not much in terms of content. It's pretty simple, fast gas, but it's the, your network is your network. We're accredited. What I thought was really cool was, like you said, networking, we're in that room and talking, but also networking, doing the fun things was really cool. Like hiking and the pickleball and all that was, I, I dug that stuff. We, we got to pick the venues and there's some cool places that, We'll probably just do a buyout of the location, but we got to figure out this. Maybe we'll have you teach pickleball again. That'll be fun. Yeah. And so if there are any viewers out there listening and you're coming to that retreat and you have any ideas of what you guys want to do, ping lane and, and let them know so we can plan ahead. The itinerary, if you guys want to get the latest, go to simplepassacashel.com slash 2022 retreat. All right. One more episode in the books. Last one of the year in a month. We'll see everybody next time. Bye. Free real estate investing group. Check out reialoha.com. We're just two local guys with so much to say. So listen to the real estate brothers today. Hey, just some legal stuff here. Although these two brothers are pretty knowledgeable and have over 2,100 rental units and own over $160 million worth of real estate, 
The proceeding are only ideas and not to be taken as legal tax or financial advice, okay? You should always seek the professional advice of other professionals on your team and think for yourself and do your own due diligence, okay? Aloha.